We're in Mark chapter 10 this morning. Mark chapter 10. I want to encourage you to turn there. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 46 to 56. It's a, a passage of Scripture that we're very familiar with, as are many of them for, for, for most of us. And it's that story about, in the Gospel account, about blind Bartimaeus when he's on that road uh, outside of uh, Jericho. And um, follow along with me as I read in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Brianna said, Yes, you are yelling, Bartimaeus. <laughs> and so they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, said Jesus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. I can't help it, but when we're singing this song, Waymaker, and I think of this story, man, this, by the way, by the way, I don't say this often, but by the way, this is, this is like not the sermon that was scheduled for today, all right? So, but it is, because God knows. God knows. God knows how he, what he's doing and what he wants to speak to us and how it all works together. God knows, all right? So I just want you to be aware of that. But listen, it's really important when you talk about Bartimaeus, because some of us are familiar with the story, and our thoughts go different places about some of the details and what's going on there. Listen, I want to point out a couple of things before I share that uh, uh, the, the actual concept of what I had for you. But the thing about Bartimaeus is, is that he was blind, okay? But Bartimaeus could see so much better than everyone else around him. So much better. He saw things the way they really were. Not, not just, he had no, no, his eyeballs, I mean, his eyes were not functioning. He couldn't physically see things. But his heart and his spirit and his mind, he saw things way more deeply and fully than most people around him. I would say the, all of them, actually, besides Jesus himself. He was seeing things amazing. Let me give you a hint as to why I know that's true right there in our scripture. You see, the Bible says that when they came to Jericho, it says there's this blind man begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, listen to what he says. He shouted, Jesus, son of David. Now you might think that's trivial, that's something small, it's a little thing. It is a critical, huge, deep, powerful detail there. He could have said, and the normal thing was, well, Jesus the Nazarene, that guy from Nazarene, oh, you know, it's Bob, he's over from Charlestown, or Bob the pastor, or Bob this. No, this is Jesus, the son of David. 
He saw something. He had heard about this Jesus. And he had seen something in his mind's eye, but also in his spirit, his heart. He knew that there was something about this Jesus. That he was the son of David. By the way, incidentally, I'll say incidentally, but it's God's timing and plan. They're outside of Jericho. Historically, at this time, Jericho was a place where all the rebels were hanging out because they couldn't stand the Roman Empire and they were fighting all these people. It was a very hostile and volatile time and all these people would hang. Jericho was a violent place at this time. And there was a lot of political stuff going on. It doesn't sound like our world. Anyway, so, and, and, and he's there outside there and this man, Bartimaeus, He calls Jesus the son of David. Son of David. David was the king of Israel, the Jewish king. And he's referencing something regarding Jesus that has to do with God's kingdom ultimately and that bloodline of kings and royalty. And we're talking politics here. Yes, we are. There there could be something political there. I don't know. But it's more than that. It's not just political. It is something spiritual where he recognizes this is the son of David and he links it and there's something that has to do with Jesus' messiahship. That he's the anointed one. That he's the one that's come to bring deliverance for his people, salvation to his people. He's the called, chosen, anointed one. And here he is, the son of David. God's chosen Right here in my midst. And he hears that he's coming and he calls him out. He saw things so much more than the crowds around him could see. Even though he was physically blind, he saw. You know what else I noticed? That he didn't care about what people thought. Oh boy, do you and I care about what people think. Man, I know. Listen, I'm not calling you out. I'm, I'm, I just say it the way it is. Some of you, you, you're, you care because you care more about what it's going to look or feel like or you're uncomfortable, so you won't go pray with somebody. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. But some of you, because you know why? Because that's in us. All of us. doesn't matter if you're five years old, if you're 40, if you're 80. We worry, we care about what people think or perceive of us until the day we die on some level. We do. We're concerned about that. And so we're worried. He didn't care at all. He could care less what people thought. And you know what people thought? You know what people thought in this time? There's there's a historical context here and some truths here you can find for yourselves that because, and especially among the Jewish people, because of his illness, we'll call it an illness, but because of his disability, because he was less than, and he's on the side of the road begging because he's blind, and, and the people understood that it was, their understanding actually, I should say, was that, It was because he sinned, or it was his parents' sin. That's why he's like that. And you know what? You're a loser. You're on the fringe. You're on the outside. You go ahead and you take your jacket, your cloak that shows you're a beggar. Lay it out. We'll we'll throw you a few pennies every day. That's all you're good for. That's what their thought was. Because of sin, you're cursed, and you're blind. And that's what they knew. But you know what? He knew what he wanted and what he needed. And he did not care when they told him to shut up. He said, Jesus, son of David, the Messiah, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And you know what happens? Jesus honors his cry. He honors it. He stops. Listen, it's true. From the beginning till the end. 
that if you call out, no matter what your condition, your situation is, no matter what your label is, no matter what your identity is, that if you call out to Jesus in sincerity of heart, recognizing he's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's God's Son, and he's your Savior and Lord, and you call out to him with that from a sincere heart, he will, you will arrest him. You will arrest him. He will stop and he'll pay notice. And I know that's true because the Gospels are full of examples like this. Where Jesus stopped to those who were supposed to be down and out. They were on the fringe. They were ignored. And Jesus stopped and he gave them all the attention in the world and he made them whole. Don't worry about what people think about you. Worry about what God thinks. Call out to him, he'll stop, he'll honor your call, and he'll do something amazing in your life. And then Bartimaeus throws off his cloak. And listen, this is the focus this morning as he responds to Jesus' call. This cloak, this cloak is the focus this morning. Because there's so much to be said about this cloak, this garment that he wore as a beggar. Because the cloak signified, I think, at least four things this morning for us. First, the beggar's garment that he wore represented the old lifestyle. And I'm jumping ahead with that comment, but it, was, it represented a beggar's lifestyle. And things came with that lifestyle that I already mentioned, that he identified, and he was identified as somebody who was over there, off to the side, lesser than, incapable and I could keep throwing adjectives, but that's what it was. It represented this beggar's lifestyle. Do you know what's really amazing? And it's, it's actually, it's horrific in some ways. There are scholars that believe a good amount, and there is some consensus that is, this very possibly could be with those that are in the cities like this, that this could have been a government-issued Garment. To identify him as somebody who was allowed to beg. That somebody who was incapable to work. Saying, this is who I am. I have nothing to offer. I'm living on the fringe of society and I'm allowed to do this. So give me a penny or two so I can survive. If I want to get crazy... It's not much different in our world than our own society. But I won't go there because I'll be accused of being political. The Pharisees, they also had cloaks and robes, didn't they? Oh, but they had the right robes. They had the ones that showed, they put on those, you know, like some of the, and I had nothing against it, but some of those in churches and pastors who put on their robes and I'm in that office and there's something to that. I, there really is. To, to bring honor and to bring a soberness to what's going on. Absolutely, I am for that. I, I hear, I can see that. But these Pharisees, they wore their fancily woven and, 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 and sewn robes and garments with their tassels and their golden fringes. And they would walk around all neatly, making sure the least amount of dust on their sandals was there. And they would let everybody know that they knew the law so well they could teach you the law. That they were so pious and religious that we had it all together. Look how neat I am. And yet they were blind. Oh, they had their own cloak. We all have our cloaks, by the way. We all have our cloaks. 
we aren't too different because we seek validation with our own identifying cloaks within our relationships that we have face-to-face and on social media, which I have nothing to do with, so I can't relate. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have no cloaks on social media. But we have our own identifying cloaks that we wear. But here's the thing about Bartimaeus. He had faith in Jesus' ability to change all of this. All of it. He would not have to sit along the roadside and beg anymore. And once Jesus healed him, he would have a new life. Totally new. So strong was his faith in what Jesus could do and would do for him that he flung aside the beggar's garment even before he got to Jesus. As soon as they called him and said, hey, Jesus wants to see you, he got up and he threw it aside and then he went to Jesus. He threw that garment aside. When we meet Jesus, here's the truth. We can be assured that our lives will never be the same. If they are, it might be time to meet Jesus again. Or for the first time. We are not beggars anymore when we come to Christ. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. There are better things ahead because of Christ, not because of us, because of what he has planned for us. And I didn't say perfect again, but better things for us. And we never have to go back to a sin-filled, beggarly lifestyle again. Ever. You don't. You don't have to. Oh, but, but, but we, we do. See, apparently, Bartimaeus had prepared his heart. I don't know this, but it seems he prepared his heart to the extent so much that before Jesus got there, it didn't even occur to him to hang on to his license to beg. He got rid of it. And once he sprang to his feet, he did not see himself as a downcast beggar anymore. He hadn't been healed yet but he envisioned a new lifestyle once Jesus touched him. He didn't have the slightest thought of seeing Jesus and then returning to his place along the roadside with other beggars. Now, I said seeing Jesus. He's still blind. He's still blind. Think about this. And they say, he wants to see you. And, he does, and he's blind. I can't, I can't picture that. And, 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 he, and he, it's all dark. And he doesn't know. He hears voices. And he, just, he has that garment. He throws it off and he gets up. And he has no idea. Maybe people are leading him. But he's going to Jesus. But in his mind's eye, in his heart of faith, he already sees that his vision is restored. And he's going to see Jesus, the son of David. Such was his faith. I really do believe that. He didn't have the slightest thought again of coming back and just sitting alongside and being a beggar again. Let me ask you a question. How has your Christian experience changed your life? Are you living different from the life you led before coming to Christ? Many people who come to church don't seem to be very different as a result. But it's true. It's just a routine for them. And Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come to give you life and that more abundantly. Overflowing to overflowing. And in John 16.24, Jesus says, 
And he asks the question, he says, I'm sorry, he says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Not kind of there, not if you can muster it up, because that's not joy, but full. Overflowing to overflowing. Some people say, I'm just going to try to hang on until Jesus comes back. And some people will focus on the beggarly elements of our society. You know, the high crime rate, the violence, the environmental issues. And they feel that everything is hopeless. And they are just barely surviving. Well, they're alive, but they're just barely surviving. People feel that they can't make it financially and they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel and there's a lot of that feeling nowadays going on. See, when the Lord touches our lives, He expects us to cast off the beggar's garment. Rise to our feet and start expecting to live a more abundant, joyful life because it's ours through and in Him. He has made provision to supply all of our needs. And how do I know that? Because Paul says that in Philippians 4.19, he says, but my God shall supply all your need, not according to what you can do, not according to you working triple time, not according to you expending all your energy until you have all kinds of illnesses. He says, according to his riches by, in glory by Christ Jesus. It's all the riches are there, and they come to you by Christ Jesus. I'm not telling you to be irresponsible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God's going to provide it all when you trust him. We must begin to realize who we are in Christ. We're no longer beggars anymore. Why do we insist? We, I'm putting myself there too. Why do we insist on clinging to our beggar's cloaks of fears and doubts? Why? We've been accepted into the beloved, as Paul says in Ephesians 1.16. We're part of the family of God that God loves, His church, the bride. And our Christianity should become real and vibrant in our lifestyle. It should be exciting, not a drag. It's a drag when we go back to the cloak. When we get up in the morning... We should say, we should be able to say, we ought to be able to say, good morning, Lord, not good Lord morning. A lot of us do that. Bartimaeus' lifestyle was changed. Has Jesus changed your lifestyle? Because that cloak signified and represented that beggar's lifestyle. We're not there. We're new creations in Christ, his children. Now, secondly, Number two, the cloak speaks of limitations. Now, it's connected to this lifestyle, obviously, of a beggar. But it speaks of limitations. The beggar's garment represented limitations that were placed on his life. All he could do was beg. That's all he could do. He was identified as a beggar when wearing this garment. And as long as he wore it, that is exactly where he would stay. Along the roadside, along the sidewalk, with his hand out, or, his, or even if he wasn't wearing his garment for, 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 to, to stay warm, he'd put it on the ground. Kind of like if you take Jeremy's guitar case and you open it up and he's playing at the tea station and people drop money in there. It's the same idea with this garment. That's what they would do. The boundaries have changed, right, in his life. 
Once he met Jesus, he knew that these limitations would be gone. And he flung off this garment even before he came to Jesus. And the boundaries changed. And what, think about this, what could he do in his mind now as a career, now that he could see and his vision is restored? Oh, I'll even be a shepherd. I'll even shear sheep. I've never done that. I can't wait to do that. What if he could do that? What if he could do something else? Woodworking. What if he, I don't know, the list goes on and on. What were the dreams that he had for his future where once he was limited and locked into the set routine of saying, please give me a penny, now he was free to venture out, to try out his wings, if you will. We often make a decision to follow Jesus, but we continue to cling to the limitations of a beggar's lifestyle. Can I just encourage you? Make plans for a new life. It won't just happen if we go back to sitting by the roadside. It doesn't work that way. We must remove those limitations by setting new goals, breaking old habits, getting additional vocational or educational training, additional training in the Word and your journey. Those are practical things, but even spiritual things. All this is part of the process. And then we can get help in areas in our life where we need to change. Sometimes we feel like we can't change, huh? I mean, have you been there? We feel that we're too old or maybe we're too limited financially or even teenagers will say, I can't change because that's the way that I was raised. Bartimaeus could have said, I can't do anything else. I've always been a beggar. We must believe that with Jesus helping us, we can do all things through Christ. Amen? Too often... We, we can God. Really, we, we can God. We, we say, can God heal me? Can God give me a better job? Oh, if Nate was here in first service, Leonard, he would tell you he certainly can. Can God and you fill in the blank? Listen, I'm not saying... God, you will. I'm saying, God, you can. That's how you have to turn it around. Turn it around and say it that way. God can heal me. God can meet my financial needs. Think of ways in which you are limiting yourself, and you might be telling yourself, I can't. Well, God can. He may not do it your way, but he can, and he will do that. You don't tell God, but you can certainly say, God, you can. Will you do it, please? Fling off the beggar's garment of limitations. Because that garment represents limitations. Thirdly, the garment that was around Bartimaeus was a comfort from the hurts of the past. Whoa, where are you going with this, Pastor Bob? Let me tell you. It was, and it signified, and actually had a direct connection to the hurts of the past. The cruel words, the abusiveness, the slights, and the tears over lost hopes and dreams. I can't imagine what he heard from the people walking by his entire lifetime. Can you? What he felt? What he was exposed to because he's outside with just this garment, the elements and the wind and everything, and and then the the insults and whatever else went on, the rebukes, because you're a sinner, that's why you're like that. Because this, think about it. He knew that he could shelter himself not only from the wind and the rain, but also from people with that. When he really felt like it, 
and he didn't want to deal with anyone, he could just go in that corner against the building or, or, or one of those, those mud huts on the road there by Jericho and just cover himself up with it. I'm not dealing with anyone or nothing. I'm not here. I don't exist. I don't want to hear your words. It served as his shell, if you will, to protect him from getting hurt all over and over again. He may have relived these hurts over and over again in his mind and repeated them to other beggars along the way. I'm sure they did that because misery loves company and it's a pity party. He clung as tightly to his past as he clung to his beggar's garment. And as long as his garment was there, it was reminding him of his past and his present. See, like Bartimaeus, we hang on to our hurts too long, too. Nah, not me. No, not you. Of course, we do. We're human. We talk about them over and over until they become self-perpetuating. Does that make sense, by the way? Because I've seen that. Some people, they hug their hurts by constantly calling attention to their problems and reliving their past abuses. And in order to get the attention, and in order to get the attention they so desperately crave, they will often even create crises. In a small group, they frequently make their needs the centerpiece of the conversation. And perhaps... This pattern developed in childhood when there was this crisis. It was the only time that their parents even noticed them. So that's all they know what to do. And you know what? That's all because of sin. It is. We make it even more difficult by punishing ourselves over and over. Have you ever done that to yourself? And you tell your things and you loop things in your mind. Or you... you, you Frankly, you can even abuse yourself psychologically and mentally and spiritually. And you, people do things physically because of the past and your hurts. And they do this over and over again and again. It's the result of sin. It has often been said that we are our own worst enemy. How well so many of us know that. We tell ourselves that people don't want to include us in a group or that people don't like us or any number of things. Listen, we must be done with hurts of the past. Sometimes they last in families for years. People won't speak to a relative who has said something 40 years ago. And that is held tightly around them as the beggar's cloak was. They just won't throw it off and leave it. It signified the hurts of the past. And it was a comfort for him. Finally and fourthly, the beggar's robe represented security to Bartimaeus. But it didn't amount to too much more than false security. That's what it really was. He could cling to his cloak just in case things didn't work out with Jesus. He could have taken it with him and like, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always, I still got it. I can go back and do what I did. If Jesus didn't help him, I'll just do it again. If he didn't have enough faith to believe that Jesus could give him his sight, he could always go back to the side of the road. And the cloak represented something to fall back on if things didn't pan out. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
Paul writes in verses 17 to 24. I'm not going to read it. But he starts that section off and he ends it with these two words and these pictures. He says to put off the old self of the sinful nature. And he lists all these things that the self does. But then he says at the end, to put on the new self, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Greek word there is awesome because it's a word for putting on and off, putting off an old garment and putting on a new one. And it lines just perfectly up with what is going on here in these garments that we put on ourselves of the old life without Christ and before we encountered Christ that we want to keep going back to and we feel like we have this security or false sense of security. Put on the new self. Put off the old, Paul says. He could throw it away. Bartimaeus threw it away because he had full confidence in Jesus. He could make this response deliberately and quickly, and he did. He knew that once he had seen Jesus, he wouldn't need that cloak anymore. He was headed for a change. And immediately he got rid of what symbolized his blindness, his limitations, and all of his hurts. He was about to change direction. Boy, that sounds like what happens at repentance and turning away from all these things and turning to Christ and walk with Christ, isn't it? Why would he need to beg anymore? He didn't need to. How often do we feel a need to hang on to something, whatever that is, even if it is nothing more than an old beggar's cloak? It might be difficult for us to let go of the things that hold us back from the healing that we need so desperately from Jesus. Are we afraid to let go of our beggar's cloak because of our insecurities? Do we need to hang on to it just in case? Remember, Bartimaeus cast aside that garment before he went to Jesus. He made no provision for the what-ifs. He did not accept the false security of going back to a miserable beggarly existence. That was not one of his options. See, many people, I'm almost done, please listen. Many people will stay in abusive situations because they feel that they have learned how to cope and adjust. We are more afraid of the unknowns in our life. We might say, I don't like the way things are now. I can't stand the way the situation is, but at least I know how to cope with my situation. And then you never do anything about it to make it better. Maybe you feel like you can't. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The beggar's cloak is only a place of false security. Jesus wants us to fling it aside and trust him as he brings us into that genuine security that is found only in him. That unshakable, unmovable rock that is consistent, faithful, will never leave you, and it can be counted on for the rest of your life. Life. We don't have to accept a false, a a life of false security just because it's comfortable or we like it as much as we love our old pair of Converse's, right, Dave? When Bartimaeus was healed, the scripture says that he followed Jesus. And listen, that decision, that making that decision to throw that off and to follow Jesus is scary. 
It's scary in the natural. It's scary to the natural mind. It's scary to the flesh, the man that doesn't know Jesus. But when you come to Jesus and he touches you and transforms you, let me tell you something. He assures us that he will go with us. You're not alone. And you don't need that cloak. In conclusion, I think that all of us can say that we are clinging to a beggar's cloak in some way or another, because we are all needy in some way in our life. But we don't have to stay that way. You don't have to keep staying that way. You can move on into an overcoming life that's overflowing with God's abundant life because of Jesus and who He is and what He did. And I asked you this morning, why are you clinging to a beggar's cloak? For crying out loud, don't you want to fling it aside today? Don't you? Don't live that way anymore. Because verse 51 is for me and is for you today when Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew And Jesus knows. But I'm going to open the altar, and here's the thing. But you need to recognize and you need to acknowledge your need so that ultimately He can fix your vision. How you see yourself, how you see God, and how you see this world will all change when you hear His voice and you go to Him, and before you even get there, you throw away that old cloak. Will you do that this morning? I'm going to pray. If you need to leave, you can leave, but the altars are open. Please be quiet. If somebody wants to just spend some time and, and they want to come up here and, and in that way symbolically show that they're casting off or they're taking off that beggar's garment in their life, let them do that between them and the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just take these truths and these applications we can find with this beggar's garment, God, with Bartimaeus, Lord, and that we would, Lord, not live or exist in a way that falls so far short of what you have prepared for us. Lord, I pray this morning, give us the courage by your Holy Spirit and the confidence to cast aside and put away our beggar's garment and walk in that life that is so abundant with your presence, your joy, your peace, your life, all of you living in us and through us, not as beggars, but as victors, conquerors, enjoying the riches of all that Christ has to offer. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.